Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. My guest today is Samantha Green Woodruff, author of the novel, The Lobotomist's Wife. Samantha, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Jeff. Absolutely. Well, if someone hasn't yet heard about your novel, The Lobotomist's Wife, how would you describe the novel? So um, The Lobotomist's Wife is a story of two women whose lives intersect um, around their relationships with the man who invented the ice pick lobotomy. And the protagonist is uh, an American heiress who is his wife, ultimately. And the secondary um, character is a 1950s housewife who has postpartum depression and encounters him in the course of her treatment. And the women in the story are fictional and they're really the center of the story. But the lobotomist himself is based on Walter Freeman II, who was the man who popularized lobotomy in the U.S. in the 30s and then invented the ice pick version of the surgery, which enabled it to be 10 minutes long. And in an office or out of the back of his car um, and did continue to do those into the 19. Actually, he did them in real life into the late 1960s. But my story ends in the mid fifties when lobotomy fell out of favor. Wow. Out of the back of his, <laughs> out of the back of his car. I think I just shivered. Yeah. It's, it's pretty um, cringy for sure. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, do you remember the original idea or impetus that led you to write your novel? I do. So I, um, this is a debut novel for me and I am, I, I was a, I have an MBA and I was working in corporate America. Um, but I have two young kids. We had moved to the suburbs and I had stopped working because my husband's job was really demanding and I wanted to be available to the kids. And I took a writing class kind of on a lark because I wanted something that was, you know, mine. We moms talk about this a lot, having something outside (laughs) of the realm of being a mom. So I took this writing class and I was starting to play around with an idea of a novel about someone who was very much like me, who was a woman living in the suburbs who had had a career and who was feeling unsatisfied and unhappy in her life. And, um, and she starts to act out in all sorts of crazy ways. And I didn't really think anything was going to happen with this novel. And then I was driving and listening on Audible to a book called Get Well Soon, History's Worst Plagues and the Men Who Fought Them by a woman named Jennifer Wright. And it's a popular history book. It's very entertaining, very well done. I highly recommend it. Um, and she had a chapter on lobotomy and specifically on Walter Freeman. And I started to think, oh, my gosh. What if my protagonist, instead of being a dissatisfied housewife today, was a dissatisfied housewife when Freeman was in his heyday, and the answer was to have her lobotomized? And from there, the story just started to take shape. (laughs) Wow. So what what research did you do about the ice pick lobotomy in this era of medicine? Sorry, this era of medicine as you were writing your novel? Um, I did quite a bit of research. So there's a fantastic biography by Jack L. High called The Lobotomist. 
And I read that book cover to cover probably multiple times. I have a very uh, dog-eared and written-in copy of that book. Um, but I actually didn't read that until later. So I first did a lot of research on the basics of the medicine, on how lobotomy came to be invented, on how it came to be adapted. Walter Freeman is a pretty reviled person in um, in popular culture and in medicine, or well, controversial, I should say. Reviled might not be fair. So there's quite a bit that, that's been written about him. And so I really tried to dive in. My first angle in was the medicine and to, to understand as much as I could. I am not a doctor. I studied history in college and then I got an MBA. So this is not my area. <laughs> um, but I found as many simplified uh, accounts of how this all happened as I could. And I did read some things that Freeman actually wrote and some medical journal articles that mostly I glazed over as I was reading. Um, and then I dove into who Freeman was as a person, and then I dove into the periods in which the book takes place, which is between the 1930s and the 1950s. So it was a lot of research in different areas, but sure. it was fun. And and you talked earlier about this writing class that you that you took as as a mom. Uh, was that the first time that you had written fiction? In earnest, I would say yes. I. I was, an, I was an artsy kid growing up, not a sporty kid, and I did theater, and I wrote bad poetry, and when I was a senior in high school, they enabled you in the last few weeks of your senior year to do a senior project because they knew that no one was paying attention to school anyway, um, and I wrote a children's story with a friend of mine who was an, an artist, and she illustrated it, and that was kind of the only fiction I ever really wrote. I loved to write. And um, I would do journaling and I would play around. But really, this was my first dive into fiction in earnest. I know it's kind of crazy. And I'm curious, was fiction writing a big shift from you from, from the writing that people typically do with, with business careers, reports and emails, et cetera? It was and it wasn't because I was doing business development and strategy and then mm -hmm. I was doing consumer research. And in both of those areas, the the core of the job is to take a lot of information and tell a compelling story with that information. So while I was doing that about ratings or sure. earnings in, in business, when I sat down to do it for a novel, I think I'm one of the, the things that I just happen to have a skill at naturally is distilling things down to the key facts and, um, I don't know, communicating them mm -hmm. out to the world. So, um, so that part of it was easy. The hard part was the show don't tell for me sure. because I was very, you know, I, I could show a chart, but I didn't know <laughs> how to show how someone was feeling. So that was a big learning curve that took a lot of time. And it was good. I did the bad novel first before I got to the lobotomist swipe. Cause I, I really learned how to do that during that process. That's great. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Well, what was your writing process when you were working on The Lobotomist's Wife? Are you someone who sat down and plotted the novel before you started writing, or was it more of an organic diving into the narrative? Um, I would say it was a combination of both. I am definitely type A and organized and structured, and so I needed to think I knew where the story was going. Um, so I had probably four, five, six, maybe 10 different outlines along the way. And, but I let the story take me where it wanted to go so that when the outline no longer made sense, I would go back and change it. I love editing and revising, which I know some writers hate. <laughs> I don't think of my words as sacrosanct. Like I, you know, it goes on the page and if it's going to end up on the floor, that's okay. As long as it gets me to where the story needs to go. Um, and so I did a lot of that. So are you working on a new novel now? I have a whole 1,500 words. So that's like about <laughs> two pages of a new novel. I have an idea that I'm really interested in. I've done some research while I was waiting for The Lobotomist's Wife to come out. Um, and I have a synopsis written, but I'm just, just beginning the process of actually writing the novel. And it's a totally different um era and story. It's about twins in the 1920s. And it's a twin brother and sister. And the sister is a stock market genius, but she's a woman. And the brother is a natural born salesman obsessed with money. And she essentially becomes the woman behind the man. And we watch <laughs> the wild stock market ride of the 1920s. That sounds great. Well, or so I think. We'll sure, see. sure. Totally yeah, it may change. By the time it, and you can edit it. Gets it. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, given your your work with this first novel that you wrote, and then and then your debut novel that's been published, The Lobotomist's Wife. What writing advice would you offer for those who are working on their own stories or novels? You know, people often say, "Just sit down and write. Put your butt in the seat and write." And um, I think there's, there is truth to that. I think that I would put my own spin on it, which is to try not to overthink it. Um, I have a quote that I have up on my bulletin board from John Steinbeck that says, write freely and as rapidly as possible and throw the whole thing on paper. Never correct or rewrite until the whole thing is down. And I like that idea because for me, um, I find, and, and some people can't write this way. They agonize over every word. But I find that if I let myself just go and write and then walk away and come back, that there's more there than I thought there was going to be sometimes, quite often. And so that would be my best advice is just keep going and keep writing and then come back and know you can clean it up later sure. on. Well, what novels or nonfiction books have you read recently that you enjoyed? Um, so my latest obsession has been Taylor Jenkins Reid, and um, I read the let's see which one I read Malibu Rising first and then I read Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo and then I read um Daisy Jones and the Sixth and I think she just does a phenomenal job of writing a story that is 
really compelling and popular fiction like you know it, it it doesn't feel like work to read it in any way and yet she creates this world and these characters that have so much depth that they still live on in you feel like you know them afterwards so i find her to be really incredible um i also there's you know there, there's a bunch of historical fiction writers who i have been have read their latest and really love mm-hmm. um I'm looking at my bookshelf to pull sure. the Rose Code by Kate Quinn is one I just read recently that I really thought was terrific. And I love the work of um, Marie Benedict. The, her, the one of hers that just that hooked me into her whole world is called The Only Woman in the Room, which is one she wrote several years ago. And it's about Hedy Lamarr. Um, and her whole thing is to write about women in history who have been sort of underrepresented or, you know, tell their unknown stories. Fiona Davis is another one who has tells amazing historical fiction um, stories. And, and I, and I flit around and then I go into psych, the psychological thrillers. I love those too. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> well, where can people, that's great. Where can people find you online if they want to learn more about you and your debut novel, The Lobotomist's Wife? So I'm on all the social media things at Sam G. Woodruff author, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And I have a website, samanthawoodruff.com. So any of those spots, you can find me. That's great. Well, again, we've been speaking with Samantha Green Woodruff, author of the novel, The Lobotomist's Wife. The novel is on sale now, so go buy a copy. And Samantha, thanks for doing this interview. Thanks so much, Jeff. Great. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.